Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The federal government took thousands of acres of land from the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe just after World War II. Leech Lake leaders considered it a modern-era land theft. Seven decades later, federal officials re-examined the action and agreed the land belongs to the band. They're taking control of some 14,000 acres for the first time in more than half a century. We'll hear how Leech Lake officials push to get their land back and what it means for future plans. That's coming up right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Cherokee Nation and the U.S. Mint celebrated the release of the Wilma Mankiller Quarter Monday in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. The quarter is one of five designs in the American Women Quarters program. The program is highlighting the accomplishments and contributions of trailblazing American women, including in areas of civil rights and government. Mankiller was the first woman elected principal chief of the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma. During the event, current principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, Chuck Hoskin Jr., talked about Mankiller's legacy. He says she helped lead the way and work to improve health care, address racial justice, and advocate for women's rights. If Chief Mankiller's legacy was summed up simply by what she did, my friends, it would be enormous. But her legacy grows because her work continues to make an impact. And I see it every single day. She keeps changing the world every time our tribe helps an elder live in more dignity. She keeps changing the world every time neighbors join together to make their Cherokee community a safer and better place to live. She keeps changing the world every time a kid applies for college or starts learning the Cherokee language. TV Johnson with the U.S. Mint told the crowd the work they do at the Mint is connecting America through coins. He says the Cherokee Nation has been featured on dollar coins, but not on a quarter. This will be the first time that a quarter will feature the image of a Cherokee member, a coin that changes hands over and over and over again, prompting anyone who sees it who's not in the know to say, who is this? And perhaps inspire a little girl or even a little boy to become inspired about Wilma Mankiller and her remarkable perseverance that contributed so much to the Cherokee people world and people worldwide. The coin's design depicts Mankiller looking to the future wrapped in a shawl and the seven pointed stars of the Cherokee Nation. The inscriptions are in English and in the Cherokee syllabary. The release of the Mankiller Quarter is the third coin in the program. U.S. Deputy Secretary of Transportation Polly Trottenberg will visit the Cherokee Nation Tuesday. The tribe and federal agency will sign a compact to oversee road construction and transit projects without having to seek federal permission and oversight. They will then tour an electric charging station and take an electric bus to a project. Montana tribes later this year will receive the first round of federal funding for water and sewer projects on tribal land. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton reports the money comes from Congress's bipartisan infrastructure bill passed last year. Montana tribes will receive just shy of $2 million this year for construction of new wells and lift stations, as well as other improvements for tribal water and sewer systems. 
Projects on the Crow Agency, Blackfeet, Flathead, Fort Belknap, and Northern Cheyenne Reservations will be funded this year. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, tribes across the nation will receive a total of $3.5 billion for water and sewer projects by 2025. Outdated water and sewer infrastructure has hampered the Blackfeet Nation in particular. The tribe has been unable to build a new drug treatment center and other sorely needed services because Browning's water and sewer system is maxed out. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Early on, the Bureau of Indian Affairs suspected it might have made a mistake by taking thousands of acres of land away from the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe in the late 1940s. They stopped selling off tracts of the land within a decade, but it took another 70 years before the federal government owned up to the error and agreed to transfer about 12,000 acres within the Chippewa National Forest back to the band. Leech Lake officials insisted from the beginning that the action was illegal land theft. The process to return the land was a unique collaboration with county officials and a favorable stance from the Trump administration. Coming up, we'll revisit the history of the land dispute and what Leech Lake officials learned that might facilitate other land exchanges between Native nations and the federal government. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can do that by calling in 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. On our show today, speaking with us from Cass Lake, Minnesota, is Ben Benoit. He's the environmental director for the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and he's also a member of the band. Ben, welcome to our show. Hey, Sean. Uh, great, great being here. It's great to have you, Ben. And first off, congratulations on this historic win for your people. This must be a tremendously exciting time for folks there at Leech Lake. Yeah, uh, I think the excitement's palpable here. Um, you know, the the work to implement the act's been uh, been pretty tough work, but uh, it's it's really coming from a great place. So exciting, anyways. Yeah, sounds like it is. And please give us a little history. I mean, how was it that thousands of acres of Leech Lake land were placed in the hands of the federal government more than seventy years ago? Sure. Um, yeah. So. So the, the Leech Lake Restoration Act um, 
really tries to to restore part of part of the lands that were taken illegally. And um, you know, here at Leech Lake, it, it's about the size of Rhode Island. Uh, you know, eight hundred and seventy thousand acres. Um, and and the lands that make up the reservation are kind of in in several categories. There's fee lands, which are are taxable lands. Anybody can you know purchase them, tribal or non-tribal. There's trust lands that are held in trust by the federal government on behalf of the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. Um, and then there's allotment land. So, so those are lands that are held in trust by the federal government on behalf of Indian families. And, uh, and it's these lands that were, you know, subject to these secretarial transfers that the Leech Lake Restoration Act restored. So uh, a lot of lands are, are pretty unique. Um, in the late 1800s, when the Dawes Act passed, it, it really kicked off this allotment era of federal Indian law. When that came to Minnesota, it was uh, through an act called the Nelson Act. And, and what that did is it, it took the reservation and then allotted, um, you know, parcels of land to Indian families. And, and the thought at the time was that uh, if you can um, change the lifestyle of an Indian to this more Western lifestyle where you're farming and homesteading lands, uh, then you can assimilate them into this more Western lifestyle. So that's kind of what this Nelson Act looked to do on the Leech Lake Reservation. So a common size for allotments on the reservation here were about 80 acres. So families got, uh, you know, an 80 acre allotment. So the lands that were not allotted, you know, if they were timber lands, they were um, auctioned off. And if they were non-timber lands, then they were open to white settlement. So, so fast forward, you know, uh, many years later in the 1940s, so from 1948 to 1959, the Bureau of Indian Affairs is the one who, who manages these trust lands on behalf, you know, of the tribe, whether, whether the tribe itself or these families. Um, they're, they're tasked with the federal oversight of these trust lands. So from 1948 to 1959, they were sending out letters uh, to to these allotment families, you know, the heirs of these of these allottees, uh, asking if they wanted to sell their lands. And if if they said yes, you know, they marked yes. If they said no, they marked no. But if they didn't respond at all, they were just marking yes and selling uh, these properties from underneath these these Indian families. Um, so they were doing that, and as well as uh, just labeling Indians as incompetent. Uh, to manage their lands themselves, and and using that um, rationale of incompetence of, of someone just being Indian uh, as consent for the the sale of these lands. So, mm -hmm. so over twenty six thousand acres were sold in this fashion. Most of which went to uh, the Department of Agriculture Chippewa National Forest, which is why the the name secretarial transfers kind of came about because the secretarial transfer of land from Department of Interior uh, where where the BIA is housed, the Department of Agriculture. Okay. And Ben, I'm sorry, I, I, I want to interrupt you just for a moment here. And okay, so these allottees who in many cases apparently involuntarily had their land sold, were they reasonably compensated for those land sales? It, it's hard to say. Um, and a lot of that kind of boils back, you know, uh, it, it's safe to say no. Like, a lot of a lot of these lands had different liens on at at the time, so mm -hmm. some of the proceeds were used to pay off these liens that maybe the original allottee had incurred, and then the heirs then were kind of paying back you know a, a historical debt if you will that's no longer common practice but um 
you know, in review of the documents, it seems like some of the monies were, were used for that and some of the payments were made to these families too. Okay. All right. Well, go ahead and continue giving us that background. It's really fascinating. Yeah. So, so then in 1959, um, the uh, solicitor issued a, a cease and desist order to Bureau of Indian Affairs to, to end this practice. And, and by then, you know, about 26,000 acres across the entire Leech Lake Reservation was transferred in this fashion. Um, <clears throat> there's four counties that make up the Leech Lake Reservation, uh, Itasca, Cass County, uh, Hubbard, and Beltrami County. And, and it seemed like uh, at least the, the three largest, if you will, um, counties, uh, all, all also have the um, Chippewa National Forest, so there was these transfers in those counties. Uh, in the 80s, a, a Leech Lake family tried suing the federal government. Uh, her name was Florence Moltez. And um, what, what the courts found is that the statutes of limitation to try to correct this injustice had passed so that they would, you know, to, to get recompense, they would have to seek legislative um, action. So... So that's kind of where the the thought for public law one one six two five five the Leech Lake Re Reservation Restoration Act came from. So, uh, kind of following that that court case, the Minnesota Chippewa Tribe and Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe um, did some research to try to quantify how much how much of this was done and, and put together the record uh, to to try to seek um, federal legislation. Okay. All right. So um, I want to make sure I have my numbers right here, Ben. So you mentioned approximately 26,000 acres of land were taken by the feds through these unlawful land sales, and they lasted about 10 years. And now uh, you're looking at a little less than 12,000 acres that are expected to be restored to Leech Lake. Are, are those numbers right? So are we still, are there still about another 14,000 acres out there that, that aren't going to be restored? Correct. So, so the Leech Lake Reservation Restoration Act is pretty limited in scope. There's three counties that were largely affected by, you know, this federal action of land transfer. Um, when when the legislation was designed, uh, you know, officials from the tribe met with the counties to to gauge interest or opposition to to the legislation, and it seemed like proceeding with just the Cass County parcels was. Uh, you know, the, the smoothest way to get passage at the time. So that's what was pursued. Okay. And and what is the current status? Are, are these transfers underway or are they coming up here in the near future? Yeah, so the, the legislation passed December 23rd, 2020. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into these land transfers. So, um, you know, the a common question we've been getting for a while is, is where's the map, you know, can I see a map of, of the, the parcels and, and a, a map is just a visual representation of these legal descriptions, you know, that make up those land parcels. So, so there's been a lot of records research trying to verify, you know, um, the, the parcels trying to verify the, the acre is um, to, to make that legal map so that we can share it with people. So, you know, since December of 2020, staff from Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, the, the Chippewa National Forest, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs have all been working collaboratively to try to establish, you know, where and, and what these acres are uh, to, to create that legislative map to formalize the transfer. 
Okay. And I'm interested in, in learning more about these Alatis who had their, their lands taken. I mean, are any of them still living or do they have descendants? I'm, I'm curious to know if those families will now regain control of some of those land interests. Yeah, uh, good question. I, it's hard to say. Um, a lot of the tracking, you know, for those heir families kind of ended with in the 50s. So uh, you, you touch on an interesting point. The, it, you know, 1948 to 1959 kind of marks this era of, of termination. You know, f- the federal Indian policy at the time was termination. And, and I think that the, the secretarial transfers is a really good example of that because a, a lot of the research that we've done and, and looked into it showed that part of the reason the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs was trying to you know, uh, remove themselves as the trustee of these allotments is because of that fractionated ownership of these allotments. You know, over time, those families grow and grow. So it's pretty common to find an allotted piece of land on the reservation here with over 100 heirs to it. So so the amount of work to try to do something there is is pretty taxing, you know, and and, um, in all likelihood, The federal government realized this in the 40s and 50s and tried to divest, divest themselves of these allotments for that very reason. And, and that seemed to be part of the impetus for transferring these allotments initially. Um, you know, fast forwarding to, to our, you know, place and time here, the Leech Lake Reservation Restoration Act, it, it seemed like it was outside of the scope of what we could do to restore those uh, allotted lands to individual families and, and the best course of action at the time seemed to return it to band's hands, uh, you know, controlled by the Leech Lake Band, because hopefully mm-hmm. those heirs are still our members today and, and we'll be able to enjoy their, their lands once again. Okay, well, we're speaking with Ben Benoit of the Lake Band, uh, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and we do have to take a break, but we'll be right back. You've got your degree or applied certificate, now what? It's sometimes hard for young people starting out on the career path to envision what's ahead. And some more experienced workers might be thinking of making some changes. We'll talk about the skills and knowledge you need to be ready for your future on the next Native America Calling. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe is in the process of receiving about 12,000 acres of their own land back into the tribe's control. The exchange completes a process started decades ago when the federal government wrongfully took the land. If you'd like to join our discussion, give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. And right now we're speaking with Ben Benoit. He is the environmental director for the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. And Ben, uh, you just gave us some great background before the break on on this whole process and the history of how this land was wrongfully taken. And uh, you mentioned that the, the Leech Lake Reservation lands are about the size of the state of Rhode Island, over 800,000 acres. But how much of that of that reservation is actually controlled by the band? 
Uh, yeah, Sean, great question. Um, so today the, the band, uh, you know, holds title about 33,000 acres of that. So it's less than 5% of the, the total uh, acreage of the Leech Lake Reservation. Okay, so this these twelve thousand acres that are being restored—that's that's a significant amount of land in terms of what the band actually controls, then, right? Oh, correct. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where the excitement, uh, you know, from our people comes from—the um, the the needs that the Leech Lake Band has, uh, you know, in terms of housing and and trying to to provide economic opportunities for our people is is pretty great and. And land often seems to be a limiting factor in our ability to provide housing and, and create home sites for our people. So I think that there's some certainly some excitement about what this land could do and, and how it could change, uh, you know, addressing some of our more immediate needs. Sure, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this land. Uh, and even right now, I mean, is it developed at all? I, I, I understand most of it is under the, or a good portion of it is under the jurisdiction of uh, the U.S. Forest Service, but does it have any infrastructure on it? Any buildings or anything like that? No, not really. The the Chippewa National Forest largely manages, uh, you know, parcels here on the reservation for for forestry. There, there's maybe some roads and um, you know power running along some of these areas, which I think uh, you know the band would certainly look at uh, as we go through some sort of evaluation to what you know what could come. But I think that's a, a little bit down the road yet. We're still trying to, to facilitate the transfer. And does the land hold cultural significance to the Leech Lake people? Oh, certainly. Yeah, the, you know, even though the, the reservation, uh, we only own 33,000 acres of our reservation, We are, the Leech Lake government still retains jurisdiction over the entirety of the Leech Lake reservation. Uh, a lot of these areas hold cultural significance to our people. Uh, you know, this is the, the reservation here today is the permanent homeland of the Anishinaabe, so an area that we're we're really uh, grateful to have and and you know looking to to try to recover as some of our long term goals. Okay, and Ben, tell us more about your specific role in helping to secure the restored lands. Sure. So so part of my duties um, as the Leech Lake Environmental Director here, I work for our Division of Resource Management. I, I oversee some of our environmental regulatory programs like the Clean Water, Clean Air Act, but I also serve as the uh, liaison to the Chippewa National Forest from the band. So uh, the, the Leech Lake Reservation and the Chippewa Na- National Forest overlap pretty significantly. About 90% of the Chippewa National Forest falls within the Leech Lake Indian Reservation. And we work pretty collaboratively with, with collaboratively with them on a variety of projects from vegetation management to roads uh, because they have a trust obligation to the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe to, to manage our forest in a way that you know really um, protects the integrity of our culture and, and um, so so to that end we're, we're working with them on a lot of different issues when the Leech Lake Restoration Act was passed uh, you know it's been another project that we've been working on pretty closely and, and that one that I've been asked to provide oversight for from the tribal side. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, this is really, really exciting. And, and you mentioned the possibility of maybe housing and, and other types of development there. So we're definitely watching with interest as, 
as these lands uh, come back under the control of the Leech Lake Band and, and how the band ultimately chooses to use those lands. But in the meantime, uh, also on our show today, from joining us from Walker, Minnesota, is Josh Stevenson. He's the Cass County Administrator. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, Sean. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, you bet, Josh. And and I understand that Cass County has been a key partner in this whole land restoration process. When did you first become involved? Um, I guess I've been involved um, with the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe since I started working here uh, back in 2005. Um, at that time, I worked for our land department. Cass County is a pretty big county um, area-wise. It's got about 1.5 million acres total. Um, the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe covers the top third of Cass County, so the reservation boundary is significant within, um, you know, as part of the county. Um, so I've been involved, I guess, with this um, since 2005 in regards to the secretarial land transfer or the Leech Lake Reservation Restoration Act. Um, I remember talking about this with um, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe staff back in 2016 and 2017. Wow, so going back almost, what, six, uh, five, six years almost. Um, so where is the county involved now with the process? I understand um, there's a big a big part of this project right now is identifying these specific parcels. And so I imagine you're going back through records and, and whatnot to help, help the band uh, gain insight as to where, which portions of this land are going to be restored. Somewhat, I guess the, the primary role for the County is we're, we're kind of, we're record keepers. So Cass County uh, was organized in 1897 so we're we have land records here that go back that far obviously the older the record the less details we have you know i would say our records from the 70s up until today are probably a lot better than we had even you know back in the 40s and 50s but we are definitely going to have records of of everything that was recorded with us um, back to 1897. Mm. Wow, that goes pretty far back. So, and earlier I heard um, when we were speaking with Ben and he talked about the different uh, legal status of some of the, these lands there on the Leech Lake Reservation. Some of it is trust land, some of it is fee land, some of it is allotted land. So does that create complexities there for Cass County in terms of having to help them uh, deal with these different types, the, the way the land is held, the legal status of some of these lands? Not from our standpoint. That's fairly um, common. Uh, Cass County has a long-standing history of supporting public land in general. Um, so we've got uh, 255,000 acres of tax forfeited land that we manage on behalf of constituents just as a county. So we also have a very robust uh, forest and recreation land management program here. So we also, as a county, have land that is held in fee. We also have uh, land that is held in trust. So uh, what the band is dealing with with those different types of classifications are actually quite normal for us. Okay. And it's a pretty big exchange of, of land. Is it common in Minnesota to see 
large land exchanges like that in other parts of the state? I would say not to that extent. Um, we have had um, other big landholders um, move out of the state. For example, we've had some private industrial landholders in the state of Minnesota that have divested of their property and uh, bought land in the southern part of the United States where you can have a longer growing season for pine. Um, but but something that big all at once is, is definitely unique. Um, I can think of years where we have um, been in the middle or helped transfer, you know, a couple thousand acres, maybe from a company like Potlatch, you know, to public ownership, either through the county itself. Um, some of their lands went to organizations like Ducks Unlimited, uh, Rough Grouse Society, Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. But I would say nothing to the extent of that big of a number in, in one one transaction. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like a, a, a really big undertaking. And I, I am curious, Josh, has there been any pushback from, from non-natives that might be opposed to transferring the land back to the Leech Lake Band? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, a lot of, you know, we've gotten a lot of questions. Um, I think once the area people, you know, you got to remember, we've got a lot of band members that live here as well. Um, so I think a lot of questions for non-band members were, uh, what's the plan? I think they also understand what a good job Leech Lake does in managing their own land base. I think there was um, some communication in regards to housing, uh, where that would take place. It's our understanding that the band is promoting housing where their schools, their grocery stores, their existing infrastructure is. And a lot of people that pay taxes or live around here that are non-band members would say, well, that makes sense. That's what everyone wants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it would seem that way. And, and another big part of this, this whole story and what I find also really interesting is that Cass County has an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding with the Leech Lake Band. And can you give us a little bit more background on that MOU and, and the role it's played with this land exchange process? Sure. Our, our Memorandum of Understanding between Cass County and the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe um, is based out of mutual respect. There is a lot of mutual respect between Cass County Commissioners, and there is also a lot of mutual respect between Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe Tribal Council members. So it's a natural marriage when those two governments get together that there's a lot of respect between the two governments. Um, both governments lead by example, um, so that mutual respect between the leadership has resulted in mutual respect between the staff of both governments. And that's kind of the basis of our memorandum of understanding. It defines that working relationship and, and how it takes place. And that and has you, been you, in, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, Josh, uh, finish your I was, sentence. I was just going to say that MOU um, has been in place since 2014. And in 2019, um, both governments got together and said, this is working good and we're going to continue it. It sounds like it's working really well, and it's it's really fascinating to hear about. And are you familiar with situations in other parts of the country where a county government, such as your own, has assisted a, a tribe with a land transfer like this? I I am not. Um, in fact, we 
I guess we get kind of used to that's how we operate here. Um, but it has been interesting for us when we attend conferences. Um, we, you know, we go to a lot of meetings with other county governments. Uh, we don't go to too many meetings where there's other tribal governments there, but some. And I guess to me, um, it's it's a very proud moment for. Uh, the county board, myself being an employee here, to know that we're working for a government unit that has that much respect, that it is unique. So, no, I am not aware of any other relationship that exists um, that, that's probably as, as deep and as far-reaching as the one between Leech Lake and Cass County. And in addition to this really, really uh, forward-thinking land restoration process you're working on, have... The, has the county and, and the Leech Lake Band, have they been able to partner on any other successful projects through this MOU? Uh, we have. Um, some of these things were going on before the MOU, and some of them have um, kind of came to fruition because of the MOU. But I can just give you a quick list. Uh, we've done a number of joint road projects together. Uh, we've done a number of joint vaccine clinics together. This is before... COVID. Uh, we used to do joint vaccine clinics for influenza. When uh, the COVID pandemic hit, we continued by doing joint vaccine clinics uh, for COVID. We also have county staff that work and report out of the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe Government Center. I'm not aware of another county that actually has staff working out of a tribal government office like that. Um, we, we recognize our role as, uh, as county officials that um, sometimes the history there is, is hard to swallow for uh, band members. And I think it, it showed a good faith effort that if the tribal government um, trusted the county enough to host their staff in their building, that we were um, safe to talk to and a good resource for band members to use. So we actually, those offices that are in Cass Lake in their government building get more activity than the majority of our offices elsewhere in the county. Um, another example of that is the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe Government Center is a voting center for Northern Cass County. So the it's very important to the county board, as it is to the tribal council, to make sure that band members are represented in their ability to uh, vote um, for state, federal, local offices. Uh, so that's another um, accomplishment we did together. We've also coordinated our hazardous weather warning sirens with emergency management. So it's one big network um, that was accomplished through our MOU. Uh, we do a lot of solid waste management. So for example, when we lost our ability to have recycle bins within the city of Cass Lake, uh, we reached out to the band and said, hey, is this something that you could help us out with at one of your transfer stations? And they said, absolutely. Um, you know, this helps band members and non-members and non-band members, you bet. So we, we partner together on the treatment of household hazardous waste uh, collections, and that would be paint, light bulbs, uh, used mortar oil, antifreeze, those types of things to make sure that all everybody in the county has access to safe ways to get rid of those types of materials. Uh, we've also uh, been very supportive of the band's efforts to affirm uh, their water protection status. Um, one, another unique aspect about Cass County 
and the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe is if you look at our ordinances or set them side by side, they're almost identical. So the things that are very important to band members, clean water, wild rice, fish habitat, uh, wildlife habitat are also important to non-BAM members here. So I think that's another unique aspect of, of our area is there's that mutual respect extends beyond leadership in that regard. Um, we have also partnered together on aquatic invasive species management. So we've done a number of things with the band to try to prevent uh, the movement of zebra mussels, um, other aquatic invasive species at some of our boat landings. Um, we also have had um, legislators here from not only the chair of our board, but also the chair of uh, the Leech Lake Tribal Council on the county share of the state share of tribal tax agreements. Um, so this MOU has mm -hmm. turned into joint voices down in St. Paul um, to try okay. to promote things that are going on here. So we've got the list goes on and on. I, it certainly does. Just a really comprehensive partnership. Fascinating. We do have to take a short break, but we will be right back with Native America Calling. Mesa Lands Community College can help you lead the way in your chosen field. At Mesa Lands, where one in three students is Native American, you get hands-on opportunities working one-on-one -on -one with instructors in wind energy, where students go up the turbine in their first semester, silversmithing with access to the largest foundry in the Southwest, and blacksmithing in the cowboy arts. Mesa Lands has a national top 10 rodeo team, too. Info and applications at mesalands.edu. Mesa Lands Community College supports this program. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Today we're talking about the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, set up to take back 12,000 acres of land in northern Minnesota. Has your tribe recently taken back land? How have you seen Indian Country borders change in the last couple of years or decades? Still time to join our discussion. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I'd like to bring Ben back into our conversation, Ben Benoit. He is the environmental director for the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. And Ben, what do you think of this transfer of land, uh, something of this magnitude? What do you think it says to other tribes and the federal government about this issue with allotted lands that were wrongfully taken from, from tribal people many years ago and now are being restored? That's a great question. I, I think it's it gives hope, you know, to to folks that, um, you know, the the land tenure on on at least the Leech Lake Reservation here has been a pretty storied past. But you know, our, our leadership and and uh, and through partnerships, we've been able to make successful, uh, you know, legislation to try to correct these historical injustices. So so if anything, hopefully other tribes can can know that, uh, you know, if you, if you put your time and you're dedicated to try to correct these things, uh, you know, you can make that change and you can correct these, these injustices that were done years ago. And I know there at Leech Lake, the efforts, uh, to start this began many years ago. And you mentioned that one family all the way back in the 1980s unsuccessfully tried to sue, uh, any advice for, for other tribal leaders listening today or interested parties that would think about maybe trying something in, in their communities to, to get lands restored? Hmm. Yeah, I think, 
think that's a good question. The uh, I guess I had two things. You know, one is is don't give up, and and two is it's you know kind of telling these stories, uh, you know, of, of land loss and and telling you know what it means to the people and what it means to the tribe is is really powerful. You know, I think people generally want to do the right thing, and and if you can show them what the right thing is in terms of of land tenure, they they generally want to do that too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about these these acres that are being restored. Sounds like beautiful country, a, a lot of forest land. Uh, you mentioned Chippewa National Forest, and uh, are are there lakes on that land too? What does it look like? Yeah, so so the the Leech Lake Reservation is is pretty blessed with with lakes and forest. Uh, you know, we're we're up here on near the headwaters of the Mississippi River. There's three really large lakes uh, on our reservation, um, you know, three of the 10 largest ones in the state of Minnesota. Um, so yeah, just by default, I think some of these, some of these lands will be on lakes and, uh, um, and some of them, you know, are, are kind of like Josh had alluded to earlier are, are near where people want to live. You know, people want to live where, where there's jobs and where there's, uh, resources like schools and, um, you know, grocery stores and uh, natural gas, you know, some of those amenities that, that make life easier. Okay. And I know, Ben, earlier you mentioned that the tribe, uh, you know, they're really not at the stage yet of determining whether or not they're going to build housing or what specifically they're going to do with the land. But they're at the community. What, what do you think folks would like to see at, at Leech Lake for this land? Would they like more housing? Would they like other types of infrastructure? Would they like to just leave it alone? and and um use it as a as a, a natural preserve like it is now what are your thoughts on that yeah i think i think you'll find all of those things are are appropriate you know so, some of the land certainly uh, i think i think will be used to to address some of the immediate housing needs of of the tribe but you know some of these lands particularly on some of the lakes you know uh, our lakes uh, provide to us a variety of resources that really have sustained us as a people for for many years you know we have uh, Great fisheries. We are able to harvest wild rice every fall. Uh, Manoman, which is uh, you know kind of our, our chief food staple and, and provides a, our our food sovereignty to us. And, and I think some of those areas, you know, because of their importance uh, to those resources, you know, will, will never be developed, and, and the people here would, would not want to see developed. Also, so some of these areas are are old, you know, cemeteries and and heritage sites. Uh, culturally significant areas for our people and and would be protected accordingly also okay sure and and the timeline I, I know this is very much of a work in progress and it's probably difficult to to forecast but do you have a, a rough idea of when you think uh, the bulk of this exchange will occur is it going to be six months a year about what are your thoughts well I know I know we've been working with with staff at the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Indian Affairs to really um, collect all of the documents pertinent to the land exchange and then review those documents, ensure the legal descriptions of the parcels are accurate, and then if we need to do uh, like field survey work to verify those to, to get those scheduled. So I know at least on the legal review side, it, it's it's close to being done, very close. There is some um, 
field work that will have to be done, and we're, we're hoping to do that this summer and next summer to facilitate the transfer itself. And does the band have a dedicated office working just on this issue? Uh, so myself and then staff from our land office are are working on this project, and it's it's our number one priority. But we do have other you know duties that that uh, are assigned to us as well. So um, I, I would say no. I know there are dedicated staff from U.S. Forest Service land office who are are working to go to do that records research and compile those documents to facilitate the transfer. Okay. And earlier I asked you, uh, you know, if you could offer any advice to other tribes that would be interested in, in pursuing something like this. And have you been contacted by other tribes that have similar issues like this with, with land restoration or lands you know, We've gotten a, a lot of inquiries. I, I can't recall if, if they had, you know, specific similar issues or not. Uh, but yeah, certainly it, it's, it's been a, of note to a lot of folks and, and we've gotten some inquiries about, you know, the, the processes that we've gone through and, and, you know, what we've found successful. Not. Well, it seems to me like this could really um, start a, a lot of other similar efforts throughout Native America. I, I think uh, anybody who hears about this issue will, will definitely, any, anybody in tribal leadership would, would definitely, if they, if they face similar issues with lands, a lot of lands being taken like this, involuntarily sold, I think they would definitely, would definitely get their ears turning. It sounds like you folks have really had to, to kind of make up a lot of this or learn this, I should say, uh, as you've gone along. So if another tribe was in this situation, um, would they have to start from scratch as well? Or do you think they could use some of what you folks has learned as a framework to get the ball started? Well, I, I, th I think they they could use some of what we have as, as framework. And I think one of the reasons we've been so successful, at least with this particular legislation, is is, is that some of the folks who, who carried this legislation for us, like, you know, Betty McCollum um, and Tina Smith at a, at a Minnesota delegation, uh, really took a big interest in in this issue and, and we're really able to advocate hard for us at, at a national federal level. And, and I think if you, if tribes can establish those relationships and, and tell their stories in ways that, you know, really want people to help you is probably the most powerful thing that you can do. And, and, you know, certainly, um, finding people who are, who are able to write legislation seems, you know, when, when you have the right friends, uh, like something you can get done. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. And, and you had talked earlier about the checkerboard uh, status of, of the Leech Lake Band Reservation there, the fee land, the trust land, the allotted land. And is there a timeline for, for trying to solve some of those checkerboard issues there at Leech Lake? Mm, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, so many really tribes are dealing with, I'm, I'm sorry, so many tribes are dealing with similar similar checkerboarding issues. I think it's just, it's, it's interesting to think about. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I don't know. That That's a really hard question. The, you know, it didn't take, well, it took 100 years to, to break up the, the Leech Lake Indian Reservation, and it's going to take a lot longer than I think to, to make it whole again. But I know certainly that's that's one of my dreams as a, as a, a citizen here at Leech Lake Nation, and, and a, a lot of my, my fellow citizens all share that same dream. So hopefully it's something we can work on together. Okay. And we heard Josh uh, talk earlier about this fantastic uh, partnership that you have there with 
Cass County and the memorandum of understanding. And um, that's just, it's, it's again, like I, Josh had said, he wasn't familiar with, with MOUs like that in other parts of the country. And I'm not either. So what, what kind of recommendations or advice would you give to other native communities that are interested in, in fostering or strengthening relationships with county governments like you have there at Leech Lake in Cass County? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. The I think I think there's two things when I when I think about our, our memorandum of understanding, and, and you know, and it, at the end of the day, it's it's a lot of words written on the paper, but you know, the the relationships that have come from that are really why it's been so successful. There's there's an expectation from the tribal leadership, and there's an expectation from the county leadership that our staff work together to provide our, our constituents and our shared constituents the best service we can. And and I think that's really where it, it comes from and in creating these relationships with that expectation that, you know, as a tribal staff you're supposed to work with the county and, and vice versa, that has really gone a long way in, in making it okay for us to work together and, and try to accomplish our, our shared priorities. So, you know, I think that's okay. where these documents start. It's it's not so much about what's written on the paper. It's the spirit in which it's written. Okay. And I'd like to have Josh chime in on this as well. Josh, what are your thoughts in terms of um, what, 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 what recommendations or advice would you give to, to other county governments that are, are looking to foster better relationships with tribes? Yeah, I guess I guess my advice would be um, get to the table with each other, and and as Ben said, it starts with a leadership. This is a top-down approach. Uh, when when elected leaders are intentional about um, making sure that they're including people, making sure they're respectful with each other, good things happen. Um, you know, Cass County's role in the passage of the Leech Lake Reservation Restoration Act was unique. Uh, because the county board respects the sovereignty of the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, they passed a resolution that did not support or oppose the efforts of Leech Lake. And the board's position was that it was not the Cass County's, that it was the board's position that the Cass County board should not get in the middle of negotiations between two sovereign nations, period. So, and that would have never happened had they not spent years together talking about what are the um, long-term land management goals for the band. You know, had the, had the county board not understood where the band came from, where they're at today, and what their goals are in the future, this wouldn't have happened. So being at the table, talking to each other respectfully uh, goes a long way. You know, I, I heard that, I've heard it a couple different times that a lot of this started with just two people saying, hey, let, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. A lot of this stuff started with that. It was that simple. A couple people saying it's important enough for me to get to know you that let's meet somewhere and have coffee. So a lot of conversations started that way, and then big things happened because of that. And when it comes down to it, it all started over a cup of coffee, and that's how it continues to go today. Well, it's really inspiring to hear that, and I see that so often, like, partnerships. Yeah, it's all built on these personal relationships and just people making those initial overtures. It can it's amazing what that can result in. And um Ben, if we've got any listeners today and they've got questions uh about any of these individual parcels, who should they contact? 
Uh, yeah, they can they can go ahead and contact our Leech Lake Division or Resource Management uh, office and and ask for either myself or our land staff, and, and they should be able to answer whatever questions they have. Okay, and is there a website there? Does Leech Lake have a website where they can get that information? Or yeah, yeah. If you want to uh, go right on our website, it's www.llojoy.com. Okay, wonderful. And I know I asked you uh, earlier about, you know, what what some of the tribal members would like to see for the land and uh, mentioned the need for housing and, and other issues as well. And, and I just want to say that I just, I'm really happy for your community there at Leech Lake for this really, really um, just monumental achievement, getting all this land uh, restored under under the band's control and just wishing you all um, just the best of success moving forward. And, and like I said, I think so many people in Native America are going to be paying really close attention to how this works. And, and I, I think it could, could create a lot more initiatives such as this going forward. So again, Ben, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of your experience and giving us that wonderful background on this land dispute. And, and we'll put some of that information on our website as well, how um, listeners, if they have questions uh, about any of these individual parcels that um, are part of these restored lands, if they've got questions, if they've got something to say, um, we'll put that info on our on our website so they can get in touch with you folks there at the band. And Josh as well, thank you for, for giving us all that background on the county partnership and the MOU and just that wide, wide array of different types of projects that you folks have, have worked on together. You mentioned COVID clinics, vaccination clinics, and, and um, even wildlife initiatives. So it just sounds like a lot of really, really exciting uh, very progressive uh, things that are going on up there. And again, it's amazing what can be accomplished when, when governments are respectful of one another, like we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, Josh. So unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. But but let me thank my guests once again, Ben Benoit and Josh Stevenson, for sharing the history of the Leech Lake land dispute and the process by which that land is now being transferred back to the band. And somebody needs to put that uh, that little line on a bumper sticker or something, land back to the band. Join us again tomorrow. We'll get professional development tips on critical skills and knowledge to successfully navigate work life preparing your career path. That's tomorrow on Native America Calling. And until then, I'm Sean Spruce, your host. Thank you for listening. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one-of-a-kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes, healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. centers for Medicare and Medicaid services.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.